invited. We talk in chapter 20 touches on the on the balancing of our family life and ministry, and then also 21 serving with joy. Let's talk about the importance of reading. Uh, books can be very helpful. Um, in fact, I recommend. In fact, I brought a little stack of books here. I'll share with you in a minute. But um, you know, as men, typically we're not really great about reading. Reading is kind of uh, you know. Oh, it takes time, and, and you know you gotta you gotta have a quiet spot, and you gotta really kind of separate yourself from all the distractions, and sit down and read a book. It takes time to read a book, you know. And uh, you know, as a as a pastor, I'm preparing a lot, so I, it seems I'm reading all the time. I'm always reading and preparing. So the last thing I want to do is pick up a book and read. You know, I'm tired of reading by the time, you know, we're, we're we, I'm getting through my week. But I have found that uh, there are a lot of wonderful. Uh, Strengths that God has for me in in a number of, of books. You got to think about reading as almost you know somebody you know you come you hear a, a teaching. Imagine somebody has put all of that into a book, and in a book you can do a lot more. You can say a lot more. You can be a lot more thorough and cover topics in much more depth than you can, for example, in just a forty minute you know sermon. So there's a lot for us. In books that have been written by good Christian men, most of them are, you know, they come up out of uh, different themes in the scriptures. And so our writer, Wearsby, he suggests, you know, if you're going to be serving in ministry, it's good to just come into a practice, a discipline of, of reading. And I would agree with that. I think it's like, it's like input, you know. Of course we want to be reading the Word. That's the most important thing that we should be reading. But we should also avail ourselves to the ministry of, you know, there are God-gifted authors that have written, look, this book we're studying here tonight on being a servant. We've been going through this as, as men. There's some really great principles for ministry. And there are a lot of different books that you can, you can get your hands on that I think will, will refresh you and, and give you spiritual insight for ministry. Uh, a lot of books have different types of themes. There are themes of marriage. There are themes on tonight, like what we're looking at being a servant, ministry books. There are doctrinal books. There are books that help you understand the Word of God, commentaries that will open up Scripture to you. Uh, those are good to have, especially in your library. If you come across a passage and it's, you know, it's it's not really, you don't really understand it, it's good to pull out a, a commentary and kind of get what, you know, the explanation of a passage, how it fits into other places in the Scripture. There are devotional books. These are books on prayer. There are daily meditative books that kind of help you through a, uh, you know, just kind of a, a daily quiet time. There are inspirational books. There are biographies. There is a lot of resource in a variety of different books. And, of course, you have to be careful. Not every book is worth reading. Uh, some books I would suggest don't read, but a lot of there are wonderful, wonderful books. You know, I just uh, give you an idea. These are books just I kind of haphazardly pulled off my library shelf just to just to give you an idea of the kinds of things that you guys might want to start putting into your library. Of course, we're studying tonight on being a servant, and these are again this is just a random selection. No, uh, I have a lot more, but this is just these are all that I I know I can recommend. Uh, here's a book on humility uh, by Andrew Murray, a very classic book on this subject, humility. Is that something that we could study at all? Is that something we could learn about there? So, you know, here it's not, you know, this is not a big volume, but I'm telling you, there are some real rich insights here. And it's all scripture themed and it's all, 
very insightful. Here's a book. Uh, in fact, I, I've almost I got just a, a chapter or two left. Uh, the Making of a Man of God by uh, Alan Redpath. Lessons from the Life of David. This is a great devotional kind of book. The chapters are short, uh, and you can read them. You know, in about ten minutes, you can read a chapter, and it sows this you know devotional thought into your heart, and it tracks through the life of David, and so you can kind of see how God worked in David's life to prepare him and to shape him for his ministry life. So, and that's kind of the way I read, guys. I I, I don't sit down. When I'm doing this kind of reading, I don't sit down for hours and read. I'll read for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So I'll have a book. I mean, I may be chewing on a book for weeks. You know, I'm not in a hurry. I'm not trying to race through it. I'm reading it for, you know, spiritual input and insights. So I'll just nibble on it, you know, and this may take a few weeks. It may take a couple of months. But just to have that resource, just those thoughts, you know, the Holy Spirit can use those kinds of things. Here's, of course, a, a book on prayer uh, by Pastor Chuck Smith, Prayer, a Glorious Privilege. Here's a book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. You've probably heard of some of these books. Classic work on apologetics, just, uh, you know, if you, you know, wanting to know how to defend the faith. You, get, you want to know how to, you know, answer questions of skeptics. Here's just a... Uh, kind of an introduction to that subject, but a really very well-written book, Mere Christianity. Here's another book by Warren Wiersbe. This is like a, a commentary style. It's called Be Responsible. It's actually a commentary on the book of First Kings. So you, could, you would read this in conjunction with working your way through the book of Kings, First Kings. You read First Kings, and you could come back here and look at some of these insights from Warren Wiersbe, an author that now we're kind of familiar with, and he's got commentaries like this on almost every book of the Bible. So these would be nice compliments to your Bible study. Uh, A.W. Tozer, another classic artist. Here's a book. Of course, I'm a, you know, I have a heart, passion for worship. Whatever happened to worship? So this gives insights on worship and really very, very uh, insightful. Here's a book uh, by uh, Jim Simbla. Maybe you've heard of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Very easy to read book. I, this, is, this is a very inspirational book. He gives kind of his testimony and how the Lord started uh, his ministry there in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, you would just love this, I'm telling you. It's just the kind of book we draw inspiration from it, the testimonies, the kind of uh, lives that have been touched through his ministry out there. Really a, a wonderful, inspirational book. Here's a book. This is going to actually be one of our textbooks in uh, the Bible ministry school that we're going to be starting after the first of the year. It's called Living by the Book. And uh, what it is, is is a book that that kind of trains you how to study the Bible. It gives you kind of principles on how to break down passages and kind of an inductive Bible study training manual. Living by the Book. Here's a classic book, classic piece on prayer, E.M. Bounds on the subject of prayer. Again, these are not huge novels or huge thick books, but very rich, very deep. They're the kind of books you can, um, as I said, read a little bit as you go. And, you know, it'll be a blessing, a blessing in your personal devotion. And these things become a resource in your soul, just like the Word of God. Well, not entirely like the Word of God. Nothing is as good as the Word of God. 
and and if you so if you don't have time to read but just a little bit, then read the Bible. If that's all you have time to read, then then but in addition to these would be things not to replace the Bible, but these would be things that you would do to complement the Bible. And here's here's how I believe the Lord works. You have to put these things down into your heart. The psalmist said, you know, I've hidden your word in my heart. So you're, you're, you're putting the word down in your heart. You're putting these other uh, inspirational, insightful thoughts down into your heart. And that gives the Holy Spirit a resource, a well, to draw from when you are ministering. When you're talking to someone, when you're sharing with someone. It's not just something that will bless your own life, but it becomes resource for ministry. How many times when sharing with somebody or you have this opportunity to, to you know, engage somebody in, in, a, in, a, in an outreach way or in a, in a ministry sort of way and a verse pops into your head. Somebody's sharing with you what they're going through. I don't know what to do. They're telling you their issue and a Bible verse pops into your head. Oh, hey, you know, that reminds me of a passage of Scripture. Hey, if that Bible verse had never been put in the well, you'd never been able to draw it out in a time of need. You'd have been an empty well. Oh, gee, I'm sorry you're going through all that. Well, good luck. <laughs> you know, you know you're, you're kind of empty yourself. So you want to be, you want to be feeding these, your, your own well uh, with these kinds of resources. So Wearsby, this is a guy who's been in ministry a long time. Uh, you know, he has a lot of experience in ministry, and this is a practical thing that he says, listen, if you want to be useful, you want to be a servant, you want to be ministering, read. Spend time. You know, you've got to pull yourself away from all the other things and feed that inner man with the Word and with books that could be helpful. Let's take a look at a few passages. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 on this subject of course, we do find this exhortation in the Scripture itself, encouraging us to study, to read. First Timothy chapter 4, let me just uh, read. I didn't put this on the overhead because it was a little a bit of a longer section to put up there. So just, just follow with me. First uh, Timothy 4, I'm picking up in verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to, the, and to doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So this is just almost, you know, an exact uh, biblical exhortation to what we're talking about. Paul telling young Timothy, listen, uh, you may be young, but you know what? You can be useful and don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Study God's Word. Give attention to these things, to reading, to exhortation, to, to doctrine. He tells them to give attention. He tells them to not neglect. He tells them to meditate. He tells them to take heed. And he tells them to continue. Those are the five exhortations that he gives Timothy and all of them really centered around Studying the Word of God, spending time in the Word of God, reading it, of course, reading it 
to those that you're ministering to and reading it and uh, for yourself as well. Another passage out of 2 Timothy, and I will have this one for you on the overhead so you can look up. I actually put the New King James, which is what I usually quote from, but also the King James version. Version. So look up there with me. Are they up there? Yeah. So be diligent. Here's the New King James. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I like the original King James Version, the way it translates that word for diligent. Look what it says. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it's, it's this idea of spending time with the Word, spending time with other resources that help complement the Word, reading authors that have mined truth out of the Word and they give it to you in a way that, that applies into your life, that helps inspire your heart. Uh, these things are good and worthwhile. And, uh, you know, it, it's worth giving up, uh, I don't know, some... Find some corner of time, you know, a TV program, a football game, a week, whatever, some, some place where you carve out a little time. Like I said, for me, I, I, I spend a little time each day reading on, on something like this. My time is the morning. I get that cup of coffee. I'm praying. I'm reading my word. And then I'll usually read a small chapter or two out of a, a book that I'm tracking through. And, and I find that these things are very helpful in, uh, in, in giving me a, a full, filled up well a reservoir to minister from. And uh, the Lord wants to, wants you to be full so that he can use those things. Also, it, it, it speaks, I think, to the idea of having a renewed mind. And I'll remind you of Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So this is a practical scripture saying, listen, guys, you gotta, you got to watch what you think about. you gotta, you got to purposefully set your mind to meditate on these kinds of things. And what will help you meditate? Of course, the Word of God and reading these types of resources, it helps put your mind in line with this passage. Now you're meditating on these things that are, that are noble, that are true, that are just. And it's, uh, I think, a practical way for you and I to be uh, available for the Lord to use in ministry. And when you're a full resource, when you are a filled up vessel, God will direct your path. God, God will, you'll have those little divine, you know, exchanges. You, you'll bump into that person that you haven't seen for a while. You'll get that phone call. God will divinely direct people in need to you because you have something to give them. You have something to offer them. And this happens all the time. And you've probably tasted this. You probably had a verse that you read this morning and next thing you know there's a guy that man, that's a, you can't you won't believe this. I read this verse this morning. This is a perfect fit for what you're going through. These are the kinds of exchanges that God will will make available as you are uh, really keeping your reservoir full. All right, next chapter, I want to talk to you about balancing family. Like I said, these are not all themed together, so it's a little choppy tonight, but all good stuff. So, um, balancing family. Uh, 
Wiersbe talks about the kind of the the conflicting demands on our time if we want to serve in ministry and also be faithful in our family life and in the relationships at home. And that is, of course, a challenge. And there is, that's why I say balancing family. There does have to be a balance that would be struck. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Or maybe, did I? Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually have that one up for you. So you, you can just follow with me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32. What if you're single? Let's talk about that first. Um, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians seven thirty-two. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time... By the way, I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. I felt like it gave a little more uh, uh, insight into this passage. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please Him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So, um, some have kind of, I think, misunderstood Paul here and imagined that he is saying marriage is a bad idea, uh, stay single, you're a lot better off for ministry purposes. And, of course, some of you that are married may be thinking, hey, man, I should have listened to that. That would have been good advice. <laughs> but I don't think that's what Paul is saying. I think he's speaking practically to those that are single. Uh, but he says, look, I'm not trying to put a restriction on you. And if you desire to be, he goes on later and says, look, if you desire to be married, that's a good thing. And the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. So if you desire, if you're, desire, if you're single here tonight and you desire to be married, that is fine. That's a good desire. Don't, don't be, you know, feeling like, well, I, maybe God wants me to be single. If, if you desire to be married, then God will, I believe, ultimately bring to you the desires of your heart. So, now, in some cases, God may give a special grace and you really are able to be single and actually you feel God's calling you to be single. That's okay too. But here's, here's my, my thought on this passage uh, is that while you are single, okay, let's say you're single and you do desire ultimately to be married, while you're single, serve the Lord. Take advantage of the fact that you don't have some of the distraction that married and family life brings and be diligent to serve the Lord. Yeah, but I want to be married. I understand. God will bring that spouse. God will bring that, that helpmate in his time, his choice in his time. In the meantime, you have certain uh, ministry opportunities that maybe a married person could not embrace so there's a practical side here if you're single hey serve the lord use that kind of that un un you know distracted uh situation to be diligent in serving the lord 
And I, here's what I've seen. I've actually seen this in our church. The, the guys and, and the ladies that are single. we got a guy right here. He's starting to squirm a little. Anyway, the guys that are, have been single and have kind of just said, you know what, I'm tired of looking for somebody. I'm tired of making that my, my kind of my thing. I'm just going to serve God as a single person. And guess what happens? All of a sudden he meets somebody. Now he's married. So amen. Praise the Lord. That can happen. And I think that, you know what, that's good practical advice here. Don't make, well, you know, I want to be in ministry, but I've got to find my mate first. You know, I've got to take care of that first. I've got to get married. No, serve the Lord. If you're single, serve Him. And use that, those opportunities. God will bring that person in His time, the right person at the right time. What if you were married already, like most of us? And I think married, married life is a good thing. I think marriage is the... the uh, you know, the most often uh, kind of situation for people that are in ministry. And let's talk a little bit about that. Marriage uh, Ministry needs to flow from a stable home. So ministry needs to flow from a stable marriage. M- ministry needs to flow from a stable family. So there is a balance here. There is a sense of, of order I remind you of Paul's instructions to Timothy about who to place in ministry. He said this in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 4 concerning a bishop or an elder, a pastor. One who rules his own house well, having his, his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? He goes on in verse, uh, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 12, talking about deacons. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their houses well. So there is a principle here that our first ministry is our marriage, our family. That's where our, our ministry life needs to be stable first. And from that place, ministry can flow out into the body of Christ. But here's the mindset that I, I, I think Wearsby brings, and I, I like it, and, and I, I want to encourage it, that you, you sh- don't, don't separate your family life from your ministry life. Recognize that you have ministry at home, and that God may also have called you for ministry in the body of Christ. And they both need to be done responsibly. You can't be this, you know, you don't want to be a great family guy and never useful anywhere else outside your family, right? Nor do you want to be this great guy at church, wow, minister extraordinaire, and your home life is messed up. You know, you got you never have time for your wife or your kids. So there is a balance, but I, don't look at them as two different worlds. And this is, I think, for me, this was the, a really insightful thought out of the book. Let the two become one. Your home life and your ministry life should come together. They shouldn't be separated like, well, that's my home life. This is my ministry life. This is my life. Part of my life is I'm, I'm, I'm learning to be a faithful man in my home as I'm serving faithfully in my church. Ministry is my life. It includes my home. It includes you know, serving in the body. It includes whatever God would be calling you to do. And in this way, your family is actually invited into the ministry life that you're serving in. 
And I think this is very important. Ministry should be in the heart of the whole family. If you're a faithful husband kind of leading your your wife and your children in the Lord, then they know that you also embrace fellowship and ministry life in, in church. And then the family, that just becomes kind of the way your family rolls. That's who we are. This is, this is what we do. We're, you know, we're, in, we're involved in fellowship. We're involved in ministry life. Led by the husband, embraced by the wife, and really taught and included down into the life of the children. Here's a couple quotes from the book. I thought they were excellent. Wearsby. The best thing my wife and I could do for the churches we served was to build a good home and raise children who were a credit to the Lord and to the church. And the best thing we could do for our home was to build good churches for our children to attend. The two become one. You see, the best thing that that we can do for you know our ministry life is to have a family life that is sound and stable and a blessing in the life of the church. But the best thing that we can do for our family is to make sure that we're attending a church and fellowship that is alive and vibrant that will minister to our family. And we're a part of that, making that church alive and vibrant. Does that make sense? The two come together. There's blessing for your family as you serve in church. There's blessing for the church as you serve in your family. These things are to complement one another. And I think that's a really good good. A thought for us um, concerning just balancing time and demands and commitments. Uh, you do have to actually kind of sometimes set up some boundaries for that. You know, you can get you can get going in ministry, and uh, you, you just get going. And next thing you know, you're going to ministry events and and ministry fellowship and nights, and you're just you're just going all the time. And all of a sudden. You know, the family life is, is suffering because it's out of balance. So you do have to find that place to balance. And I think there are seasons. You know, I think, uh, for example, somebody who is newly married, that's, that's a season in your married life that needs, you know, just learning how to live with one another, learning how to have a stable marriage together. Uh, as, you, as you grow together in your married life, then, you know, that becomes a stable place to then look for ministry. So I, I think you've got to be careful. Don't overcommit yourself in the early season of marriage. What about when children come along? There are different seasons in, in, in the raising of children, too. Different ages have different time requirements, right? I mean, you know, once the kids get all to that age where they're in soccer and Little League and stuff is going on, I mean, that takes time, and you want to be there. You want to be a part of that in their life. So you have to create that balance. Your, your ministry life has to maintain some of that balance, and you have to be sensitive to that and diligent with that. Um, and then I do believe that, you know, as children get older, you should look for ways to include them. Look for ways to invite them into, you know, ministry life at the church. Take them on a mission trip, you know. Take them on, a, you know, on some, some event where the church is serving. Bring them, you know, get them involved, get them engaged in ministry. And then, the, you know what, because a lot of times at those younger ages, they just want to be with you anyway. They don't care what you're doing. You're just, they want to be with you. And this is a great way for dads, especially to invite, you know, the, 
young kids into their ministry life and uh, look for ways that that can happen, that you can serve together and complement. The home and the church can complement one another. Teach the family. Church fellowship and ministry is a way of life. Let that be kind of the way your family rolls. Again, I quote Wiersbe, when our children understand that everybody in the family is a part of the ministry and that together we are all building the church and building our home, we have a common outlook to help us in making decisions. It isn't an either-or situation. It's both-and. So I just think that's good practical thinking for ministry. Yes, you need to be careful striking a balance. You do have ministry in both home and, and church life, body of Christ. But don't separate them so, you know, don't divide them so distinctly that, that they never cross over. Let them, be, let them blend. Let them come together. That's, that's been the way uh, we've done things in our home. And, you know, we haven't done everything right, and we haven't always struck the right balance. But, you know, we've tried to, we've, this is what we've been, we have strived for. And I have seen the grace of the Lord work that. You know, the kids have just kind of grown up in a setting where ministry was a part of our life. You know, it's just who we were. And so they naturally kind of assumed that as they got older, ministry would be a part of their life. And, for our, our four kids are growing and, and they're all you know they're all engaged that way. They all see themselves that way. That doesn't mean that there's some pressure on them that they have to be called into full time ministry. We never require that, but ministry is just a part of their DNA. They just understand that's that's part of being a Christian. Looking for places to serve, looking for ways to use the gifts that we have in however the Lord would call us. And, you know, we did it all. We did soccer. We did all the the sports. We did, you know. There was a season in my life where I tell you, I just, you know, working, leading worship, you know, coaching soccer team. I I have no idea how we did it, but by the grace of God, my wife and I, you know, we teamed it. And like I said, we didn't always strike the perfect balance. We made mistakes. It was times of stress and ups and downs. But the total, you know, the big picture is, you know what? God, by His grace, kind of nurtured us along. And, and there's been blessing. So um, ministry and family, they should not be looked at as separate entities, but rather, really, they should be looked at together, complementing one another. Finally, third uh, chapter I'll be covering here tonight, chapter 21. Let's talk about serving with joy. Serving with joy. Don't lose your joy. When ministry is no longer a joy and it's just one big drag and headache and obligation and drudgery, it's time to get out of ministry. It's time to step down because ministry is not intended to be that kind of a burden upon your life. Now, there are times when, you know, in ministry you get tired, you know, and it was a long day. You go on a, on a you want to go with Ricardo down to Tijuana. You leave at 5 a.m., you get back at 9 p.m. You are tired when you get back. Okay, so it doesn't, it doesn't mean that ministry is, is, is always easy or never a, a difficult, you know, exhausting time. You come back tired, but you have joy. You know, you're, you're, you're tired in ministry, but you're not tired of ministry. 
So you, you can get fatigued, but that doesn't, that's different than losing your joy. Losing your joy is, is really a, a sign of something else that's going on in your own heart. Something is wrong because ministry is not intended to be a burden. When ministry is done in serving in the Holy, under the inspiration and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, there is strength, there is joy. Um, I would ask you these questions. If, if joy is something that you lack in your ministry service, uh, you might want to ask yourself, am I serving in the right ministry? Maybe you're trying to do something that God has not called you or gifted you to do. It was in the bulletin. They needed help. I signed up. And man, what, what have I done? You know, now I'm into this thing, months down. How do I get out? This is, oh, this is just terrible. There's no joy. Maybe, maybe that's not the right fit. Okay, that could be uh, the issue. Maybe you, that, that's not the niche for you. That's not the function within the body that God has for you. It could be. So that's something that you have to consider. Serving in the right ministry. What about serving with the right motive? This is another reason that people get frustrated in ministry is because their motives are not right getting into ministry in the first place. They thought ministry was going to be an opportunity to, you know, find find something in it for themselves. They had some kind of a self selfish agenda. I want to be in charge of that ministry. I want to oh I'm I want to do that. That that looks like you know, something that I would like to do. A lot of I, I, I in that kind of a pursuit. And so it may be that your, you know, your, your motives are, you maybe you want position, maybe, maybe you want ministry, you want to have influence, you want it to be done your way. There's a sense of pride there. And that will rob your joy, not only yours, but everybody else's that's serving with you. You know, and people get jealous of ministries. How come he gets to play on Sundays? You know, I want to play on Sundays. How come she gets to sing on the mic? You know, I'm just in the choir. How come I'm using the worship ministry? I have a lot of experience there. But, you know, all kinds of different things that people complain about, you know. I want to be in ministry. Okay, well, here's, you know, why don't you help in this area? Oh, no, I don't want to do that. You know, so the motive needs to be checked. Is it really the Lord's stirring you, or do you have some kind of selfish ambition? When the motive is not right, here's what ends up. A lot of times uh, people end up being very critical because uh, they think they should be doing it. They think they should be running the ministry. They could do a better job. You're not doing it right. you know. And, they, and, then, and then they become uh, complainers. They, they become critical. They talk about how wrong that ministry is being run, how right it could be if they were running it. So that's a motive, and, and there's no joy in that. They're frustrated because the guy running the ministry is completely, you know, not doing it the way he, you know, I would do it, the way it should be done. Now, for some of you, you may you may be thinking, you know, really, do people have that attitude in ministry all the time, <laughs> all the time? Check your heart. Check your heart. Ministry means serving. And if that isn't, if you're not coming with the right motive, don't come. Listen, that is not going to bring any good fruit. The only way that fruit that we want, fruit that remains, it has to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not into pride. 
He's not into glorifying man. He's not into edifying flesh. He's not into making you important. He's not into giving you recognition or accolades. He's into using your life to glorify Jesus Christ. If that is your motive, then that is the heart that will find joy in almost any place that God would make you useful. You will find a sense of fulfillment and joy serving for the right motive. And I would say this, serving in the right relationship. And the relationship I'm talking about is your relationship with the Lord. You can be in the right ministry. You can be doing it for the right reasons. But you can lose your joy. And the reason you're losing your joy is because you're no longer staying close to the Lord in your own personal relationship. And then what happens? Now you're working in your own strength. Now you're doing ministry under your own steam. You're doing ministry in your own power. And that, that's when burnout comes. That's when joy is lost. That's when fatigue sets in. That's when it's just no longer ministry. It's you, it's sweat, it's work, it's effort in the flesh. And it's because you're no longer staying close to the vine. Abide in me. And me and my word in you, and you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. So it's important to stay vertically connected, right, in relationship to the Lord in order to be fruitful horizontally in the body of Christ. And that's where the joy is. When you are that in that place where you're close to the Lord and the Lord is using you in ministry, that's the sweet spot. That's when it's fruitful. That's when your heart is, 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 is thrilled. That's when a 14-hour a, a day on the mission field, you, you just go home rejoicing because God used you. It was, it was where you were supposed to be doing, the, doing it for the right reasons, and the Lord was in it the entire time. That's where the joy of ministry is. And really, this is what Wearsby uh, is trying to draw out, that ministry serving is a privilege. It should always be joyful because it's a wonderful privilege to serve the Lord. A couple of passages. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. Paul said this, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. This is the Apostle Paul. Now you know this guy had a lot of hard road in ministry. But here's what he feels about it all. I am so thankful. I am so thankful that Jesus enabled me, that he counted me faithful, and that he put me into the ministry. It was in the, it was in the book. I, I didn't pull this out, but it was a good question. Wearsby asked, you know, if your ministry was taken away from you today, what would be your response? Would it be, oh, I'm so glad that's not on my shoulders anymore? Or would it be, oh my Lord, how can I get back into that place of ministry? Ministry is a privilege. Serving the Lord Jesus is a joy and a blessing. Again, I quote from, from our book, No matter what kind of Christian service God has called you to, it's a privilege to be in ministry and to serve Jesus Christ. Here are some joys that come out of ministry, itemized for us in our text. The joys of ministry. Number one, one of the joys 
You're doing what the Lord wants you to do. That should bring some sense of joy to your heart. You're doing the very thing that God desires. You know, God has called all of us to ministry. You're growing more like Jesus. It's in the serving, it's in the, it's in the doing of ministry that your life is transformed. You know, that, that's, that's really where, where the things of Christ become real as you serve, as you do the work of ministry that God has called you to. This is how the Lord shapes you. This is how the Lord makes you more and more like Jesus. That should be joyful. I'm becoming more like Jesus as I serve Him. You're helping others come to know Jesus and to live for Him. That's a joy. When you see others, their lives, coming to faith in Christ or being discipled, growing in the Lord, that's a joy in your heart. It should be. Another joy, knowing this, that nothing happens except what God ordains. Good point. When, when you're living kind of, uh, let's just say, half in, half out, you're kind of a little still living in the world. You're a Christian, but you're not really engaged or serving in any ministry. You're just kind of doing your own thing. Stuff happens in your life. Now, I, I believe ultimately God is ordaining all these things, but you know, I would rather have things happening in my life as I'm serving the Lord. Because that gives me a confidence that, okay, as I'm doing what God is calling me to do, when trials come, when difficult things happen, I know this is simply part of what God has ordained for this particular ministry that I'm walking in. Versus me going out and doing something dumb and ending up in consequences. You know, that just doesn't have the same joy, right? When you have to reap the the heartache from some of your own ill you know, wrong turns. Now, God is in that as well, and God can use all of that. But when you're, when you're doing ministry, when you're serving the Lord and things happen, and they do, it, you know what, it doesn't overwhelm you. It's like, okay, Lord, this is just part of the journey. And you know Paul, he was shipwrecked. He was thrown in prison. But in all of these things, he found joy. In all of these things, he was able uh, to, to, to maintain joy in his heart. Uh, nothing happens except what God ordains. Another joy of ministry, fellowshipping with others who are serving. You know, that's a blessing. When you're, uh, when you're uh, serving the Lord in ministry together, there's a fellowship, there's a bond, there's a, uh, there's a joy. It should be. <laughs> that's the way what God has designed. I, I remember I was on it. We were down in, in Mexico on a mission. It was a, in a, an outreach down there at Calvary Chapel, Tijuana. Me and another brother. We were working the food line, or we were. It was. It was. We were giving out food. We, there was canned goods, and and uh, we were putting together these little packages. And we were out in this hot sun. It was on a you know, and we were out there for hours. I, I came home sunburned. I'm telling you, we had such a good time. I mean, you know, because I don't normally bag goods, right? But me and this other brother, man, no, no, give him some of these beans. No, 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 give it. No, 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 that's not good. And we're there. We're just working. We worked for hours out in that sun. We just had a great time. It was a fellowship. Then we went, we had tacos, and we drove home and laughed. And it was just a joy in serving the Lord together. And there's a fellowship, there's a brotherhood uh, as we serve the Lord together. And uh, finally, one of the joys of ministry is that service for Christ lasts eternally. That is, uh, there are not, there's nothing else that you can do that has that promise. Nothing else you do with your life 
has this assurance. Whatever is done for the Lord in serving Him, is it will last eternally. It's an eternal work. You're working, you're serving an eternal kingdom, and, and you're serving an eternal God who will eternally reward you for that act of service. Nothing else that you do with your time, nothing else that you do with your life has that kind of investment payoff. That should be joy. You know, now you're not doing it with, oh, Lord, I can't wait to get the internal reward for this. You know, I, I mean, that's not kind of what's driving you, but there's a joy knowing, you know what, this counts. This matters. I had a pastor friend. You know, we were talking, man, what a blessing to be in ministry. You know, it's just, it's a joy to, to be doing the work of the Lord. And he said, you know what? It's a joy to be doing something that matters. Something that really makes a difference in eternity. And so ministry has that opportunity. And uh, I encourage you guys, get, uh, get engaged in ministry. And you know, it doesn't mean that all, not all ministry has to be at the church. You know, ministry is everywhere you're at all the time. You are, you know, a servant of the Lord. It can be at church. I think some of it should be at church, that we are a body and we're to be contributing something one to another to the health of the whole. But uh, part of, uh, you know, uh, ministry is is getting out of this church as well and being lights out in the city and the in the. Uh, you know, community that that we're in. That's that's our that's part of the ministry of our body as well, being salt and light wherever we go. But these are the joys that the Lord uh, has for ministry, and I can say that um, you know when the when you're in step with what the Lord is doing, uh, there is really I can't I don't know how to describe it. And if you've done it, you know. If you've tasted it, you know what I'm saying. It really it it it. It registers deeper than anything else that you can do. There's just something very fulfilling. It's like this is what God, you know, had for me to do in this moment. At this time, something of eternity was touched. And there's a great, great fulfillment in that. So, okay, read, balance your family, serve with joy. Those are all good, practical ministry uh, foundations for us, uh, and I, I, I encourage you guys to embrace them. I want to—I'll close us in prayer. I, I don't have um, study questions. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to, to, to develop some. But what, I'm, what I'd like to do—I'll I'll go ahead and close this moment in prayer, and then maybe we'll just have some open discussion here for a few minutes, all of us together. Uh, some thoughts that maybe you've triggered in your heart—you want to just share, let the brothers hear what's going on. And, uh, and then maybe we'll have a, a, a short time of prayer for uh, individuals that may need prayer, and then we'll, we'll break for our uh, time of food and fellowship. Let me, let me pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, this study here tonight. I, I thank you for just these practical nuggets, Lord, these, these insightful truths uh, that would equip us for ministry that would empower us for ministry, Lord, uh, and also that would check our heart and our motives for ministry. Lord, ministry and serving is a part of the Christian life and journey. The word is very clear. Each member has a part. Each member contributes. Lord, you've called all of us to serve 
to serve you in this life, to live for you. And so, God, we we need these tools. We need these practical insights on how to do it effectively, how to be fruitful. I pray that you would uh, encourage our hearts tonight, challenge us and instruct us and, and lead us, Lord, in this process. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.